1160 The Quest welcomes you to Legislation Made Simple. Keeping you informed on political issues, primarily legislative issues in the Georgia General Assembly, but also some national issues that implicate the teachings of the church. Issues that are critical to restoring and protecting a culture that enables families to flourish and the kingdom of God to advance. Legislation Made Simple will also let you know how to get involved, how to get to know your state representatives and senators, and most importantly, how you can affect policy. Your hosts are Patty DeCraney and Jane Robbins. Jane is a retired lawyer, formerly with a D.C.-based organization called American Principles Project. Jane worked at the Georgia legislature and has maintained her connections there, so she's plugged in under the Gold Dome. Now let's begin Legislation Made Simple. My name is Patty DeCraney and my co-host is Jane Robbins. Hi, Jane. Hello, Patty. Monday, March 6th, is Crossover Day, a very important day in legislature that, if you would, Jane, take a minute to explain what Crossover Day is. Yes, the session, the legislative session is 40 days, and Crossover Day occurs on the 28th day, which means that a bill that has not yet passed one of the chambers, the House or the Senate, by crossover day cannot be considered by the other chambers. So theoretically, a bill that doesn't pass by Monday, doesn't pass one of the chambers, is dead for the mm. session. That, and As we discussed in our first um, episode, that's not always true because sometimes these bills pop back up because they get attached to something else. But generally speaking, that's the rule. you got to get your bills passed okay. by crossover day, which is Monday the 6th. Okay, and that's why we have such a flurry of activity mm-hmm. going on right now under the Gold Dome. Last week we gave you an update, and this week we're going to do the same. And This is a pre-recorded show that we tried to record on Thursday, the latest day of the week that we can record, so that we can give you the latest, greatest updates on on what's happening um but there's they're very active today going on right now and um we won't know about that until later so we try to give you the most uh up-to-date information because our goal is right to keep you informed on the bills that implicate the teachings of the catholic church and bills that affect you me and all of those that we love let's begin with prayer to the holy spirit and reading Holy Scripture. Together, come Come, Holy Holy Spirit, Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and they shall be created, and you You will renew the face of the earth. And Ephesians 5, 15 to 17. Watch carefully, then, how you live, not as foolish persons, but as wise, making the most of the opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not continue in ignorance, but try to understand what is the will of the Lord. Wisdom. Don't we want that? (laughs) Don't we need that? Yes, we pray for it. Yes, we do. Before we get to the bills, I was asked by a couple of listeners to explain again the path of a bill through the legislature. We explained in our first session but I want to just give you a summary again because we're coming to crossover day. There's been a lot of information that we've given you. I know I struggled with it, <laughs> with remembering it. So to remind me and all of you, this is what happens. A bill is introduced in the House or the Senate. It's assigned to a standing committee with a committee chairman. There are debates, 
hearings, and amendments being considered. If the bill passes the committee, it then goes to the Rules Committee. And if it passes the Rules Committee, it goes to the floor of the House or Senate for debate and vote. A bill that passes one chamber, remember it has to do it by crossover day, it goes to the other. If amended, it will go to a conference committee to iron things out and then be resubmitted to each chamber for approval. If both chambers approve the bill, it goes to the governor, who may sign it, veto it, or let it become a law without his signature. And to access, again, Georgia General Assembly for information that we're going to be talking about today, you can go to www.legis.ga.gov. You can find contact information for your representative, senators, check committee schedules and agendas, track bills by bill number, and you can watch live stream the committee hearings. Or remember that you can go down and you can attend these hearings and you can speak at these hearings. Okay, Jane, let's get going on what's happening. The first thing that we're going to talk about today is the little flurry of gambling bills that are always down there um, to reiterate the Catholic Church's position on gambling. There is nothing sinful about games of chance, according to the Catholic Church, unless they get out of hand and your gambling becomes something that interferes with your responsibilities to yourself, to your family. It becomes an addiction. It becomes an idol. That's when it becomes a, a problem. Okay. So. The gambling industry has been very active in Georgia, and there are three gambling bills down there right now, all of which will um, would allow sports betting, one of which allows horse racing. I'm not going to break down these bills because all you really need to know is that, that they're trying to expand gambling, and so either you're for that or you're against it, and you can say that when you call your, your representative or your senator about it. These bills are <clears throat> progressing. One of them did pass the Senate Economic Development and Tourism Committee, and is, and it passed the Rules Committee. So, the word is that it's going to the floor of the Senate today, mm. which could be happening as we speak because they okay. meet in the mornings. So we don't know what's happening with that. That's SB fifty seven. There are a couple of others: one in the Senate, one in the House. The one in the Senate is coming to a hearing it's already had a couple of hearings but it has another hearing this afternoon the one in the house has had a couple of hearings and there hasn't been a vote yet so the the one of the differences between uh, among these bills is that two of them would would implement this change in Georgia law that would allow gambling by statute rather than by constitutional amendment uh, because it's always been thought that if you're going to change that in Georgia, you have to have a constitutional amendment, which means that two-thirds of the of the legislature would have to vote for it, and then it would be put to a vote by the people. So they're trying to avoid that. They don't want to have to get two-thirds because they're not sure that they can. So some people are trying to do this by statute, and that raises all sorts of other legal issues. So it's it's really up in the air right now what's going to happen. But the okay. one that's going to the floor of the Senate this afternoon or today, this morning possibly, is one that does it by statute. So if it passes the Senate today, it would go to the House and then start all over in the committees. So we'll see what happens. So that would mean then that with a statute, 
It just goes into effect. It, it, it is, just if, goes into effect. It, Once it, it passes both. Yeah, if the governor signs it, it goes oh, into effect. Okay. Um, and, of course, it may or may not because there might be litigation against it because the argument would be that it's not really in effect because it needs to go through a constitutional amendment. So it might be challenged in oh. court and probably would be. Okay. So it could that could go through okay. just like the heartbeat bill did. Someone challenged it in court, so it, it went on hold for months and months. Mm, okay. All right. So there'll, there'll still be areas that we might be able to influence. Yes. And, as it and even if it passes the Senate... It can falter in the House. You, you just never right. know. Okay. There are always chances up, up until okay. midnight of the 40th day. Okay. And if it's important to you, you know, contact your representative mm-hmm. and speak to that point. Um, and, and next, we have the education bills. Yes. We know that the church teaches that the parents of a child are the first and most important teachers. And so this principle should be suffusing everything that we do or think about what's going on, particularly in public schools, but some of these bills deal with private schools as well. But there are a good many education bills that have had some activity lately. The uh, One of them was SB 88, which was in the Education and Youth Committee in the Senate. The, the general original idea behind this bill was that it would prevent teachers from discussing personal sexual issues with students, like the child is now saying she's transgender or whatever. And so mm-hmm. this bill would have required the school to tell the parents, you can't withhold that information okay. from parents. Right. Uh, that was the original bill. The original bill was good, but it had some problems, so they were going to try to work that out. Well, the bill apparently got into, fell into the hands, shall we say, of um, people who do not believe in the Catholic position on education, people who think that the state should supplant the parents in this. And it was rewritten in a way that was not good at all. And last weekend there was a huge flurry of activity about that and talking to some of the people on the committee and saying this bill is now worse than nothing. And so it came to hearing yesterday, um, and there was a big debate on it within the committee and it was tabled which okay. probably means that it's killed okay so that's good that is yes that's, that would be that would be good uh we have to monitor still to make sure it doesn't get attached to something else mm-hmm. but for right now the whole thing fell apart and which is unfortunate because this is an issue that should be should, of great concern should be it, it, it should right. be yes um, right. but if you you know sometimes you say well this bill makes things worse so you just got to Go with that. Go but with that. Draw back and punt. Yeah. What about the original bill? The original bill was, um, its heart was in the right place, shall we say. It had some uh, some really good provisions in it, and it had some things that were problematic that could have okay. been worked on, but um, the sponsor of the bill let the wrong people get to him. About, um, okay. So. Okay. Thank you. And then um, SB1? Yes, that is um, the one that prohibits COVID, the schools from from mandating COVID vaccinations for students. Um, This bill passed the Senate early on. It's still sitting in the Public Health Committee. Uh, Chairman Sharon Cooper has not given it a hearing. We don't know if she will. She's being bombarded with with, um, phone calls phone calls and and um, letters. Yes, but she hasn't done it yet, so we will see. Okay, let's keep bombarding her. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. Okay, and then SB 154 um, is a bill that has not moved yet. It's... um, in the Education and Youth Committee in the Senate, it 
eliminates the exemption that public school libraries currently have under Georgia obscenity law. Because no one believes this when you say it, but it's absolutely true. <laughs> Georgia law exempts public school libraries from obscenity law, meaning that it's perfectly legal for a public school library to contain obscenity. And they do. And they do. And they do. Yes, and they do. So, but that bill was introduced. It is in the, the Education Youth Committee has not had a hearing yet. So ask for a hearing. Ask for a hearing on SB 154. Okay. SB 233 is a bill that was introduced just last week but has moved quickly. It It is the voucher bill. It establishes $6,000 in vouchers for parents to use for so-called approved expenses connected with private education. Um, this passed the Education and Youth Committee by one vote. It, as amended, they amended it to to keep you from using it for higher ed expenses. It's now in the Rules Committee, so the Rules Committee may send it to the full Senate or they may kill it. So this is this is a difficult issue, and we could do a whole show on this issue in May at some okay. point. Okay, all right. Um, but it's a school choice issue, and on the one hand, we want to support families as much as possible That's right. to, to have a, a range of choices in how they educate kids and um, you're paying for the public schools, and then you may have to pay again for the private schools. And so the, the voucher idea is that it gives people a break, that they can afford private education more. Um, th- the danger of it is that once you're taking what is considered government money, because you've already paid this in taxes, and you give it to private schools, you put that money into private schools, then the government strings are going to be attached to it. Correct. And right now the bill says, no, it, you cannot have to uh, change your curriculum or your right. hiring standards or anything, and, and you're free to do whatever you want to as a private school. But that provision can be changed down the road. It may be five mm. years, it may be 10 years, mm. but the, the strings will get attached to it. So people are concerned, and I know people who are actually who run private schools who are concerned and they're thinking they wouldn't take the vouchers anyway because they're just afraid that the government would eventually start to control them if they did. But Mm -hmm. this is a big, big topic and a lot of varying opinions on it. So the bill um, passed the committee and so now it's in rules. So we'll see what rules does with it and if they send it to the full Senate. All right. And the last bill? Here under education is HB 338. Yes, that is a, a bill that mandates so-called acceptable use policies in schools to prevent kids from accessing pornography or obscenity on their devices that they have in schools. It requires filters, and the bill lays out what all of that means. It requires the Georgia DOE to create standards and, and recommendations for this. This bill actually passed a while ago. It passed the committee as amended. They stripped out some language that could have tracked kids as they're using devices, and that the parents objected to that. Oh, so that, that part was stripped out. Okay. It passed the committee. It's now in the Rules Committee, but it, to my knowledge, as of yesterday anyway, the Rules Committee has not... Uh, sent it out yet so we're still waiting on that one all right so now we can get behind it mm-hmm. okay yes. all right i just want to remind everybody that this program is called legislation made simple and it's on am 1160 the quest all right let's talk about bills that are related to trans identifying children okay there are two of these both in the senate 
The first one to be introduced was SB 121, excuse me, 141 in the Health and Human Services Committee, which is chaired by Senator Watson, Ben Watson. 141 prohibits so-called gender-affirming treatment, which is not an accurate description of what they're doing. It's not affirming anything, but mm-hmm. and it's not treatment. Right. But what that refers to is if you have a child who is confused about his sex, he thinks he's a girl or she thinks she's a boy, then then the so-called doctors would come in and they would administer puberty blockers so that the kids would not go through natural puberty. They would administer wrong sex hormones, uh, testosterone for girls and estrogen for boys, so that they would start to look and sound more like the opposite sex. And then in worst case scenario, surgeries, the mutilating surgeries that are done on children. So SB 141 would have said you can't do that on minors. And question whether even an 18-year-old is, is old enough and mature enough to, to do that anyway. But anyway, it, would, it was applying to minors. There was one brief hearing on this, this bill, which also prohibited teachers and counselors and school officials from withholding information about the gender dysphoria that these children might be expressing at school. So that bill just got a very brief, brief hearing The bill that got the longer, more complete hearing was SB 140, which is also in the Health and Human Services Committee. This bill was pared back that it prohibited only surgeries. Mm. It allowed the puberty blockers and the wrong sex hormones on minor children. The bill was amended at some point to put the wrong sex hormones back in although the language is problematic okay it the way it's written it doesn't look like it prohibits what these gender clinics are actually doing i don't know that that's the case but i i have questions about it so the, the mm-hmm. language needs to be looked at okay so right now the current version of sb140 prohibits surgeries and possibly wrong sex hormone interventions this bill passed the committee and is now in the rules committee. So what seems to be happening here is that there are gender clinics in the state of Georgia. There are medical organizations, hospitals in the state of Georgia that very much want the freedom to do this, to do all of these things. Of course, there's money. There's a lot, tremendous amount of money in it. Right. And some of these places are very powerful, powerful, influential, mm-hmm. and the, they have lobbyists. They have um, ties to legislators. So the SB 140, which is the less protective bill, appears to be a compromise to appease the industry, the trans industry. Mm-hmm. Um, as I said, it is poorly worded. It allows to it allows doctors to give puberty blockers to healthy children, which research shows will almost always lead them further down that road. They will go on from puberty blockers to the wrong sex hormones and usually or possibly to the surgeries. So you're by allowing puberty blockers, you're really just setting the kids on the conveyor belt. You're right. not really protecting them. Right. So that it was very disappointing to see that bill come out. But it 
gives a, it gives a, a little fig leaf. Well, well, we're we're prohibiting the surgeries, but you know the the trans industry knows that even if the surgeries are prohibited for minors, as long as they have the the right to administer the puberty blockers, they'll get these kids eventually. They'll get them when they turn 18. Exactly. You just have to wait a couple of years. Right. So it's not really helpful. Well, so what what can we do? I well, mean, the you, comprehensive SB 141 is done. Well, I don't know. I mean, it hasn't been tabled. It just hasn't gotten another hearing. It hasn't gotten a vote. What people could do is call Chairman Watson. His name is Chairman Ben Watson, who is a doctor, by the way. And he's the, he's the chairman of Health and Human Services. Call him and say that we support SB 141 and not SB 140. Or you could also call your senator and say when 140 comes to the floor, you would like your senator to try to amend it to put puberty blockers back into the bill so that children are protected from that. So those are the okay. two things that you could do for those bills. All right. Thank you, Jane. The Religious Freedom Restoration Act? Yes, this is SB 180. It was introduced a couple of weeks ago by Senator Ed Setzler, who was behind the heartbeat bill, if you recall. The bill is in the Judiciary Committee, and uh, the chairman of that is Brian Strickland. It has not gotten a hearing yet. Now, what the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, the FRFA, or we call it RIFRA, what it does is it puts the First Amendment protections for religious liberty on the same plane as the other protections in the First Amendment. For example, if a government wants to to burden your exercise of your religion, either to keep you from doing something or to make you do something that violates your religion, then it has to show under the under RIFRA, under SB 180, it would have to show that that there is a compelling government interest to to accomplish that that requires the government to burden your religious liberty exercise and that there's no other way really that they can do it so that it would make it more protective for people of faith who are trying to live out their lives the the way the law is now is that this is the federal law there is a federal rifra which passed in the senate 30 years ago, 99 to 1, and was signed into law by Bill Clinton. And it's been held in many states. Oh, yes, yes. A lot of states. There are 30-something states that now have a state RIFR because it was held that that the federal law did not apply to the state governments. So Georgia is one of the few. I think it's the only state in the southeast that doesn't have a state-level RIFRA. So I think we mentioned at one point that that you have more religious liberty rights if you're a prisoner in the federal prison in Atlanta than you do if you're just somebody walking down the street. So the idea of 180 is simply to mirror the federal law, and it would apply in state government that you have. It just gives you a day in court is what it does. If the government is forcing you to do something that you don't want to do, you get to go to court, and the court has to look at it with applying a test that gives you the best chance of making your case. So that's that's the bill. As I say, it's in the judiciary. It was this bill actually passed, or one very similar to it actually passed about five years ago, and Governor Deal vetoed it. Oh, um, okay. So we've had to drop back and 
start all over again. So okay, for the last five years, it hasn't come forth again until now. Well, it it has come forth, but then remember that the whole lockdown thing happened, and everything got scrambled down oh, at the legislature, and a right. lot of bills that okay. a lot of efforts that were going to be made suddenly weren't made, and and so it's been a mess. Okay, but this is the first time in the last few years that okay. somebody has reintroduced it, and Senator right. Setzler has done so. Okay. But there's no hearing. There's nothing. To my knowledge, there is no hearing scheduled on it. But, of course, I would have to go home and look at my computer and see if, <laughs> yeah, if that changed right. today. But okay, right yeah, now it, it is change. in the committee, but it has okay. not gotten a hearing. Yeah, but it, it has to pass in order to, by Monday, right? It has to pass by Monday unless they can attach it to something else. Okay. But if it passes, Governor Kemp has said back when he was running for governor the first time that he would sign this. He would sign a bill that was the same as the federal statute, and this is the same. All right. So who are we calling? Um, call Senator Strickland, Brian Strickland, who is the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee. All right. And there's a new bill. Yes, there is a new bill that just dropped yesterday or the day before. Whoa. Sometime that's... this week. It's SB 261, and this does not deal with K-12. This deals with higher education, but I think it's of interest um, because people, we all have kids who are probably going to college at some point, and this would affect them. Um, this bill would prohibit public colleges and universities in Georgia from requiring what the bill calls a political litmus test. This would apply to both applicants to be students at the university. It would apply to candidates for professorships people who are applying to get a job teaching at the university. So many institutions of higher education are now requiring people to sign these statements that they agree with certain topics, usually the DEIs, the diversity, equity, and inclusion, or the things that actually deal with the critical race. I call it theology because it has become a religion. But what they essentially are are political statements. Some people have compared them to the loyalty oaths that sometimes people had to sign during the, the oh. 1950s. So Strange. this would just prohibit, say, University of Georgia, okay. Georgia Tech, those places from, from requiring that. But this bill just dropped. It is in the Education and Youth Committee, but there's no hearing scheduled yet. All right. So if you're interested and it applies to you, uh, call. Education and youth. Yes, that would be Chairman is Clint Dixon. Clint Dixon. All right, Jane. Thank you so much for updating us on all this stuff that's going on. Well, it's been just a, be more kind of in the in the eye of the hurricane here, but a lot of right. a lot of people down there working really really hard, and yep. so some of them are telling me what's going on. So right. I appreciate them. Okay, thank you. Yes, we all do. So check l e g i s dot g a dot g o v for what's happening today. And what will be happening next week before we come back on to give you more information next Thursday when we record. Yes. And it's, it's very um, user-friendly. You can find out what's going on with the bill. Yep. All right. Um, till next week. But would you please close us with a prayer? Yes. Thank you. Our Father, we thank you. We praise you. We give you honor. We thank you so much that we live in a in a country, in a state where we can get involved and we can help affect public policy. We thank you for all of the people who are doing your work down at the Capitol, all the people at home who are doing their bit to call and make their voices heard so that your kingdom, the principles of your kingdom can be established and maintained. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Amen. This has been Legislation Made Simple, keeping you informed on political issues with your hosts, Patty DeCraney and Jane Robbins. Listen again next week at the same time for Legislation Made Simple on AM 1160, The Quest.